Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 222 of the 1099 podcast. As always, I am your host, Joseph Noop, and with me today on the pod is PC Gamer's resident Rainbow Six guy, a title I definitely wish I had. I can never seem to convince my friends to play much of Rainbow Six these days. Uh, he's also the reviewer for uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare for PC Gamer, Mr. Morgan Park. Dude, how you doing? I'm good. How about you, man? I'm good, man. But uh, yeah, today I really wanted to dive into uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare is one of my favorite games ever. 2007 was a really magical year uh, for a lot of reasons. And um, to come to come back to we're finally rebooting that little segment of the franchise uh, in 2019. And uh, overall, I think I was pretty happy with the results. But Morgan, you wrote the review for PC Gamer. When you think of Modern Warfare, the reboot, uh, what's the first thing that you really start to think about? I think about how much it changes um, while also still trying to feel the same and how those things often made for really great stuff, but also don't mesh <laughs> in a lot of yeah. small ways. <laughs> there's there's definitely a lot of callbacks, uh, both both blunt and, and subtle where it's like okay cool the 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 beauty of call of duty modern warfare 2007 was here's a shooter that's finally like straying away from the world war ii or like more action hero machismo and we're repelling onto a ship and killing people while they sleep in their bunk beds kind of thing yeah um uh, this game definitely uh, feels like it has flavors of that of of uh uh, hey, we're we are very much skirting any uh, side of legality or or international criminal courts, but uh, I guess for for folks, I I definitely by the time this podcast comes up, the the game will have been out for four or five days, uh, and so I think it's fair to say there's going to be some spoilers here. Um, I definitely think we ought to be able to dive into some of the story beats uh pretty bluntly uh is that cool by you morgan oh yeah uh, yeah. yeah we can do that what did you think of um w the cast of characters we have captain price returning um although not the same voice actor i was uh curious to learn and uh we've got kind of two standard just handsome military guys uh kyle garrick who works for uh captain price after uh being a cop in london and uh, uh, Alex, they don't actually ever give Alex a last name. He's just CIA. Uh, so, and then you have Farah, this uh, uh, like vaguely Middle Eastern. It's it's a fictional country, Urzikstan. She is a freedom fighter. Grew up there during a, a huge time of civil war and turmoil, um, chemical weapons attacks, which we'll get into for sure. Um, what did you think of Farah as a character, especially one in a Call of Duty game? Uh, I think she's pretty awesome for the for the most part. She uh, yeah. it was it was kind of unexpected how much of a role she'd play in the story. Um, it com definitely comes off in the first few missions as another story about Captain Price and his and his mm -hmm. friends. But I think it becomes pretty evident, like about halfway through the game or so, halfway through the campaign, that the it's really a story about Farah and her brother uh, Hadir and uh, their their fight to liber like liberate Urzikstan, their home from Russia, this Russian invasion, which you know definitely has no ties to no to Not real world happenings in any way. But it is cool. Like it, this game, ha like this campaign has 
cutscenes, and it has yeah. <laughs> uh, directed like, cutscenes produced yeah. by a uh, blur. Right. Yeah. Really beautiful. Really beautiful cutscenes, and they characters like talk to each other like humans. Like it's definitely still sort of movie style writing, so it's not it's not especially realistic, but it's but it's definitely this uh the, this country's this country's been at civil war for ten years. There's nothing civil about it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 stuff like that. Definitely action movie lines, but like in general, it is uh, it's something I mentioned in my review, which is that there's still you still get like in between missions the satellite images and the military jargon, but and that stuff I still struggled to keep fully uh aware of like you know understand all of it mm-hmm. um but what wasn't hard to understand is like the more surface level story that is that it the game really is which is just the story of far and her revenge basically um against this russian terrorist who's sort of head uh leading the occupation yeah and there there are a lot of moments where it seems like Farah and Captain Price are kind of acting circles around everybody um i i i think to the to the story's credit there i think the third mission is a pretty straightforward one where you just follow Farah around um a city while the russian troops are basically just committing war crime after war crime and structurally it's not the most amazing mission it's it's a little bland all things considered but it does kind of help push farah past a like simple escort npc it could have been so easy to like in in previous call of duty games yeah you might have had like a side character join you for a little bit and there are actually still some characters in this game who like join you for one mission and then you just never see them again but uh Pharaoh really goes from wallpaper to something really, really meaningful through uh, her her two flashback sequences and just a lot of the emotional turmoil that she goes with uh, her brother Hadir, um, who is also a member of uh, the the Freedom Fighter group. And and as you know, the story goes on, um, the the conflicts begin to rise between them. What did you think of like the the way the game sort of tackles um, Kyle Garrick, guy who works for Captain Price? as after um the piccadilly uh terrorist bombing in very early in the game um they make a lot of hay about uh, the rules of engagement and everything sucks because we can't engage with terrorists before they actually blow up their bombs because of just the 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 international rules of war right uh and then there are sequences in the game, and we'll talk a little bit about um, the the clean house mission, uh, where the especially in the PR and the lead up to the game's release, they they made a lot of hay about um, you know war is confusing, you know, and you might actually you might accidentally kill an innocent, uh, or you might have to make a tough call, kind of thing like that. And there are a few moments where it's like they kind of throw one of those tough calls at you, but like once the once everything's calmed down they're kind of like oh you definitely made the right choice congrats yeah like right that's kind of that's kind of the thing they they talked about it a lot like oh there's gonna be civilians in the line of fire in these missions you need to make sure that you're being careful and like that definitely has gameplay implications especially in the in that clean house mission and a few others similar to it um where you can't you have to bust through a door and you know pay attention to if someone's going for a gun or if they're or if they're legitimately unarmed and the game will will punish you in most cases like mo- most cases it'll punish you for shooting an unarmed civilian or 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 at least an unarmed 
collaborator, like someone who might be part of the terrorist cell, but isn't going, doesn't have a weapon, they just put their hands up. We, I was talking to a dev, maybe you were there as well, um, at the event, and they were saying they were saying that there's essentially an invisible system that the game checks for to see if it was truly an accident if you shot a civilian. So, like, in that early mission that you might have heard about from in Pitydilly Circus, where there's a terrorist bomb, uh, and you're responding as a as Kyle Garrett, um, very early in it, I I accidentally shot a civilian that was running straight across my gun, basically, just while I was aiming at an enemy. And they said that that's a scenario that the game checks for, that you were aiming at the enemy, and the gun went off when a civilian was running by. And that's That was a legit accident, you don't fail the mission. But otherwise, if the game believes that you weren't being careful enough, or even worse, if you tried to do it on purpose, uh, then you just fail back to a checkpoint. And that is... I, I guess that's that's cool, but the story isn't really... That's as far as it goes. It's just a gameplay thing, where you'll go back to each other. Like if you, you know, really brutally murder a civilian, the the game has nothing to say about that other than this is not acceptable. Go back to a mm. checkpoint. It's kind of surface level. It's not really it doesn't really say anything about the campaign. It doesn't doesn't explore the real world implications when this when these things happen because you don't people don't go back to checkpoints. They they accidentally kill people or they will you know not exercise enough caution and be at very much at fault when these things happen and in the real world like it's kind of a toss-up if there's any punishment at all very often there's not uh so to portray that that idea and talk about it in the in the marketing and, and everything and then to actually do so little with it was disappointing like it was it just kind of showed the story wants to explore kyle garrick and captain price's like like they're kind of wants to interrogate their morals of like oh how far how far do you want to go to save mm-hmm. the world you know we have to get our hands dirty so that the public doesn't but they don't the story doesn't is not actually that interested in, in criticizing what they do it's it's kind of a farce in that way um i don't know what, you, what did a, you think um, about it sorry there there's a uh there's a sequence about maybe midway to a little later than midway in the game uh where you have one of your targets strapped to a chair and uh, a family member strapped to the other chair and captain price hands you a revolver uh and says you know we're gonna we're gonna basically intimidate the shit out of this guy and like threaten to kill his family uh so he gives us the information we want and it's it's kind of very a very classic like you're watching captain price do some like if you really wanted to interrogate that like captain price is a fucked up guy I, in my head, I thought, okay, all the, all the, um, the target and his family have bags over their head, so they can't see. Well, no, the, the, the family has bags over the head, but the target can definitely see, like, what I'm doing. Right. And I take the gun that Price gave me, and I'm like, okay, I'm pointing the gun at his family, you know, waving it around and trying to be intimidating. Uh, and I was like, well, what would happen if I just shot over their head to scare everyone? And I aimed up and I was really just like aiming at like a shelf behind them. Like no way, no way this bullet would have hit this like wife and kid character. And I pull the trigger and it goes click and the story beat reveals that, you know, hey, Captain Price didn't actually put a damn bullet in that gun. Like, you know, <laughs> like, whoa, right. kid, no, like hold hold off. I was just trying to intimidate him. Da, 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 da. Uh, but I was like, "Oh, that sucks that like they didn't think of that, or that that it That's didn't true, account yeah. that it didn't account for for as murky and gray as war can be 
um, it still feels like there's kind of a black and white uh, option here or a, a yes or no option. Yeah, because uh, the, because it's it's still that's kind of what I mean by like for as much as it changes, this game still is very much the same thing where it's linear. You know, like the game has one story to tell. Yeah, and you know, other than Black Ops 2's weird choice-driven campaign, like that's that's what Call of Duty is. You know, you just you do the the one thing that and and they try to react to other things you do, but that's an interesting. I didn't I never thought of trying to shoot over them to intimidate them, and apparently they didn't think about it either because I just sort of I ended up doing exactly what the game. Well, actually, my first playthrough, um, you actually did an option in that interrogation to just sit it out, just say. I don't want to be a party to this because this is straight up torture. Yeah. Uh, and and that actually, to to its credit, was, was kind of cool because it just skips the sequence. You, you come back in, you're looking at your watch, and it's been like you know 12 minutes or something. And they uh, they come out and they're like, all right, we got the info we need, and you don't have to really know what happened at all. But then to play through it myself a uh, a second time just to see what happens, like oh okay, uh, that 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 felt like a good example of the game not actually wanting to make Captain Price unsympathetic because he's Captain Price and he's supposed to be the likable mm-hmm. guy on the cover of the game um, that will no doubt uh, be the face of several more of these games going forward. And, you know, it, it, it's easy to say like, oh, the the graphical updates to this game are really great. And uh, it, it does feel like I, I was listening to, to Giant Bomb's quick look this morning just out of curiosity. And because I, I love the smooth, dulcet tones of Jeff Gersman. Oh, man. But, don't uh, <laughs> but um, uh, they were saying like, yeah, if man, if we can get something like this out of a, out of a PS4 or a PS4 Pro like next gen is going to be like the things that they're going to be able to do with next gen are absolutely insane. And I think one of the strongest examples of the way that they've like changed the way we're looking at this game is of course the, 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 the townhouse mission clean house the, where it's all night vision. It's a very, very small environment comparatively for a uh, call of duty game. Yeah. And so there is just a lot of uh, there's a lot of detail, not just in the environment, but in the way that the game slows down and lets you kind of very slowly walk up the stairs to each of the like three or four levels uh, uh, of this townhouse. And one, of course, you can hear uh, people who are like, oh, shit, they're coming up the stairs like they're barricading themselves. They know that they're trapped. Uh, it's do or die moment for them but also the animations of like cracking open a door and seeing someone crawl under a bed to hide uh and or like lean out from cover in a way that i feel like i as a human being with like probably only marginal marginal like military training experience uh would actually like use this environment around me it didn't feel like it didn't feel like oh here's the attacker standing perfectly in the hallway it's here's this attacker um, crouched in a shower uh, right. and like maximizing his angle. So like I really have to stick my neck out to get him and just hope that he misses or like is aiming in mm-hmm. the, the wrong direction kind of thing. And that stuff, plus when you actually like do eliminate targets in uh, one of those rooms, it, it is it just like we say, zero dark 30, people don't die easy. Uh, even if you do shoot them uh, a couple of times. And there were, there were a couple moments where I was like, 
shit should i like just put one more bullet in this person just to like put them out of their misery like they're it, it's yeah. slightly elevated past just a video game enemy right yeah they did yeah that that mission as a whole feels like a genuine attempt at uh at like i don't know putting putting into a game what isn't what isn't generally portrayed which is like extremely dangerous raids and small like close quarters houses like that are extremely dangerous for the people that have to do them because there's no cover and you're the one having to expose yourself first because you're entering these defended places mm-hmm. and uh and i think they did uh, a great job in general of portraying like how careful you have to be you go by the numbers you stack up on staircases and try to cover every single possible angle as you slowly go up and and like slow like is an important distinction here because like Call of Duty campaigns aren't slow, um, but like there's a number of missions in this game. I'd say most of them, where walking is the default movement speed. This one especially, like it's a it's a SWAT game. Like it kind of becomes a different mm-hmm. game for a little while. And in this instance, it was really really well polished. Like it, you bust you bust through doors, and you have to definitely take a moment to like take in what you're looking at and try to react fast enough to not shoot anyone who shouldn't be shot, and but still take out the one who's trying to kill you. Um, yeah, it was really clinical, and there's something about the night vision in this game, and, they, and the, the devs talked about it a little bit, where they they're really excited about the night vision this time around, because they called it real night vision, instead of what they used to do in Call of Duty games, which was they described more as just like a green filter. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever rendering techniques or lighting stuff they did to make the darkness feel like real darkness, and the night vision feel like real night vision, it kind of creepily works, because uh, that mission specifically... Just like the photorealistic house and the smooth mo-capped people going up the stairs, like it, it feels creepy real in, in in little moments that hit me, <laughs> you know, kind of like a almost uncomfortable way. Just like holy shit, I this feels like footage I've seen of cops like having to bust down a door, you know, and mm-hmm. actually do some terrible shit. Um, and like you know, you are invading that you are invading the house of a terrorist cell, and it's not. There's no ambiguity about that. You definitely know that there's terrorists in here, and, and the house is full of terrorists. Um, but it's still terrible. Like it's mm-hmm. it's awful, man. It's it's fun from a tactical video game point of view, just like any game can be. But it is uncomfortable. Like it's you're not you're not doing good shit. Yeah, <laughs> this is terrible. What, what do you uh, do? You think that Clean House or some other instance is like this game's? no russian or like the nuclear bomb going off the like oh this isn't going the way i expected it to kind of moment i don't know the the no russian thing that that stand to compare something directly to that means means something a little different to me where it's Mm -hmm. sort of this like needless shocking terrible visual that in the case of that game uh, at the time felt interesting but in retrospect you look at it it's like ah man that actually was like kind of unnecessary and didn't really didn't really do much for the story it was just there to be no russian so that it can be talked about 10 years later and we know what that means because it because it is yeah it was shocking and terrible but this kind of thing definitely does more i think to justify itself uh the clean house specifically piccadilly the the towards the beginning of the game where the actual terrorist bombing is that's much closer to to no russian where it has no 
for for how I don't know for how much terribleness that that mission decides to portray in front of your eyes, just like really brutal stuff. I don't think the story or anything is well justified in why it's there. It actually does kind of feel like No Russian, where it's not nearly as brutal. You're not unloading a light machine gun in front of a crowd of people, um, mm-hmm. but but there's a lot of a lot of death, and there's especially recently, which actually couldn't help but like have an out-of-body experience in that part just like imagining what it would look like this would look like on the news because yeah i've seen stuff that is pretty similar to that on the news in the past several years now um yeah and so it it was a little a little more jarring than it had to be and by the end of it i was like it was it was just it it was integrated and just confusing enough of a way like okay essentially that mission the reasoning behind why they attacked london is generally the fact that al-katala the extremist terrorist group that is sort of different as far as freedom fighters they just hate all superpowers so they just attack london that's kind of what it boils down to as far as i can tell it wasn't like they had some specific vendetta against london uh it was just that they generally want to attack superpowers and that just feels like such a weak reason to decide to have this terrible let's destroy piccadilly circus and kill you know 200 people in front of your eyes mission you know Mm-hmm. I um <laughs> I uh playing through the game again now that it's out and I I found myself playing a little bit more campaign than I intended last night uh obviously I I've already finished campaign but like I'm already like halfway through it again just cuz there is there is enough to like keep kind of stringing me along for at least one more go and I think like by the end of my first playthrough I was I was just yeah really confused at well, wait, why? Okay, I get like freedom fighters. They want freedom. American and Western interests just want to keep stuff from getting blown up. Okay, I get that. Uh, but the like more interpersonal conflict between Farah and uh, Barkov, the Russian uh, colonel, general, whatever, uh, who plays a, a fair amount of screen time throughout this, I, I legitimately was like kind of surprised or confused during the final mission where i'm like oh oh he's here okay i didn't realize that like he was ultimately the guy behind all of this and and the way that they kind of dispatch him also didn't make any sense and it really it really does at the end of the day kind of feel like moment to moment stuff okay i get where uh like when captain price throws a victim who has got a bomb strapped to his chest uh, when he throws that guy over a railing because he needs to save the like five other people around him i get that that's that's action hero dumb that's like really cruel of captain price but i get that but the like broad strokes yeah the broad strokes of the story are definitely like i I don't get it man um and and i struggle to remember if the original modern warfare like struggled with this uh because even though like zakaev was a ghostly figure who actually doesn't like really show up in the flesh until the very final moments at least when that guy walked out of the smoke on that like you know bridge i i knew shit there he is okay he, he's got my number um it's do or die time whereas this modern warfare kind of felt like they at least for that last mission they kind of fell back on more recent call of duty isms where it's just like here's a here's a wide open area 
and waves of enemies just go kill things until a cutscene yeah, plays. That, yeah, that last mission is definitely yeah, definitely some old Call of Duty line, and that's that's kind of another basic criticism I had was just that kind of tired of Call of Duty campaigns being this sort of tourism, military tourism thing where you yeah. bounce around between very different types of military fantasies. And not to say that can't be good, like this campaign is quite good for the most part, but there's uh, you just always end up with the missions that you don't like because they are fundamentally uh, premises that you don't really enjoy. And for me, it was I came away more just wanting them to focus in on something and not not sort of cart you around to different types of games. So there's another mission where you're you kind of have a small open area, so a small tiny open world to stealth around it, and you have like a splinter cell light meter to measure how well enemies can see you and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You can like enter buildings from different angles and turn off the power. Like it's cool. There's light mechanics, but just enough that it feels good enough for as long as it lasts. And what I want is a whole campaign of that or or a whole campaign of clean house stuff or a whole campaign of the sniper mission like mm-hmm. i don't know just like if they if they focused in on one idea or a few ideas and just really nailed them that is where i think you could you could end up with a much more memorable campaign in general uh and yeah with the the villain stuff i definitely knew who barkov was i was trying to pay close attention because this stuff I know this stuff is hard to follow in COD games, and I was trying to, yeah. to do it. Um, what I did enjoy, like I just kind of said earlier, was that the sort of geopolitical chess match is 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 in the background, and you can try to understand that. But um, well, at least fundamentally, like the revenge story that's at the front front and center is pretty clear to me, at least. And you know, uh, let let's start to switch gears into uh, multiplayer here while we have some time left. Although before we do that, I think it's worth talking just briefly about, um, and this will connect us to multiplayer. Uh, the campaign has a really really strong focus on chemical weapon usage. Uh, it is it is the theme of the first mission. Uh, it is the theme of a lot of subsequent missions, and it is a thing that like a lot of the characters talk about, and it is the crux of uh, one of the big turn moments in the like midpoint of the game, and where you're like, okay, things have changed, and now we have to like reevaluate, you know, what what our goals are here. To see chemical weapons used, I think, pretty effectively, especially in the Farrah flashback sequence. And then, of course, in multiplayer, where you can have white phosphorus as a kill streak, like I think, I think for like I don't know, ten people or something like that. If you get ten kills, yeah, ten um, kills gets it, you it, white phosphorus. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, people have talked about before that like there's there's always seemed like this disconnect between the campaign designers and the multiplayer designers in all the modern warfare previews, but. Man, it 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 really hits you when you actually get to your hands on the campaign and you start to think about um, the tools at your disposal in a like random match of multiplayer. Yeah, it's just it. Yeah, it's just kind of tasteless. It's unaware. It's literally the the focal point of of Farah's characters that she she will do anything necessary war wise to to liberate her country, but she won't do chemical weapons because she knows how terrible and and dehumanizing they are and, and you even get to see firsthand why what led her to think that way um mm. and it's not that's not a very controversial thing <laughs> you're not gonna uh, everyone can agree that chemical weapons are terrible and and i want to get this right because it's 
been under a lot of scrutiny, and I don't, I don't want to have someone trying to tell me, trying to correct me on this. White phosphorus generally is not really considered a chemical weapon, but it is something that can burn the insides of you as you inhale it too much, and that's the way it's used, and that's what it's for. So I consider it, I definitely consider it like a, a weapon to kill you from the inside. Um, yeah. Like like chemi- like chemical weapons are, and so like I don't. I know there's a distinction there, but I don't think it matters, and uh, in this case at least, because this this is definitely classic Call of Duty, like, you know, having a campaign where you watch a nuke goes off, go off and it's terrible, and then in the next game, nukes are a killstreak, uh, which is in this game as well. It's a killstreak that you don't have to equip, but if you get 30 kills, you end the game with a nuke, which is still a thing. I think if yeah. uh, I think if any sequence is like this game's no Russian, like a really, in a, a really strong encapsulation of human suffering for like you know the the, the action tourism of Call of Duty, it is that uh, gas attack sequence in Farrah's flashback where you get to see multiple people and like I think even a dog or two. Uh, yeah, you see like a horse and a chicken and a dog like writhing on the ground. They're yeah. slowly. Being torn very apart slowly from the dying, inside gas like their yeah. insides getting melted and uh just that that twitchy nature um of, of seeing it's almost like it's almost like a horror movie where it's not so much a jump scare but it's like something unknowable and like that doesn't look right like that challenges my my conception of reality in a way that really terrifies me like the thing you know yeah it's um, like a thing that just gives you a thousand yard stare like holy yeah. shit yeah uh, I thought that that sequence, like narratively, you know, it, it certainly did its job and it got the message across. Um, and and for that, I appreciate it. I think overall, like uh, in in my thoughts about Modern Warfare's campaign, it it's still it's the strongest campaign that they've had in years. I think because of a lot of these smaller moments that feel like okay, maybe like the replayability here not amazing because. Um, like in clean house you'll start to remember where everyone is in those like very tight sequences yeah uh it's definitely the same game same exact game if you played it yeah but uh but like at least for that first time going through it i i I felt pretty enraptured for uh the vast majority of it and i i i can only (laughs) when when modern warfare 2 you know comes out two or three years from now I wonder if they'll start to fall into the same trap of like having to make it bigger and more bombastic and like eventually it's just World War Three again. But <laughs> right, um, right. I, I guess at, le- at least they're considering Infinity Ward, um, you know, is responsible for uh, Infinite Warfare, um, which I liked but didn't love and thought it had a lot of those same like waves of enemies problems. I, I really appreciated uh, Modern Warfare's campaign, but let's uh let's switch into multiplayer real quick i think we can we can skip talking about tdm and domination those are self-explanatory and i think in your review you call out too that uh it's it's it is what it is and it is what it always has been um yeah, the new mechanics those... really make for a, a an interesting time but it's it's what it always has been yeah like on a very very general level the shooting in modern warfare is extremely good like extremely good. Like, yeah. The the best that arcade arcadey shooting has felt to me. Like if the spectrum is is military sims on one end and sort of Call of Duty type arcade on the other. Like this is definitely the best that that extreme end of the spectrum has ever felt. Uh, 
especially like with with big props to sound and animation specifically like because it kind of borrows the military sim style of hearing hearing bullet cracks in the in the wind as mm-hmm. they go by you and and how jarring that can be um yes uh stand the standard core modes that have been around forever uh tdm domination especially those are the ones that are kind of here at launch uh as far as the like you know infinite respawning modes those are those feel the same as ever they're kind of they're kind of shallow to me i i get yeah. no i kind of get no satisfaction out of running around and getting shot from behind to someone spawned behind me and it's always um, behind <laughs> it's always behind like uh it's frustrating like i don't i don't see the appeal of it anymore i definitely did but uh i'm just sort of done with that and it's and that's kind of for as much as i love the shooting as much as i love the new modes that we will talk about mm-hmm. um the, how much they still focus on what i consider to be the most boring part of the game is a huge bummer and that kind of comes through in the kill streaks as well which are just still unbalanced garbage yeah i i can't imagine why uh <laughs> i cannot imagine why kill streaks are still a thing in like any real like major shooter game because it, it really does feel like okay i'm not asking you to make me a like much worse call of duty player than maybe the average uh devout fan I'm not asking you to make me overpowered to account for my inability. Like I should push myself to get better, but there's nothing. I don't feel good getting a, a kill with a missile other than just like watching the the grand theater of it. And I don't exactly. feel, I don't feel like I learned a lesson getting killed by a missile, you know? In, no, in, it's in, just, it's pure disruption. There's no, there was no counterplay that could have prevented this from happening except for being inside yeah you know like being in a building like, yeah like that even, even then maybe not much uh even in contrast to like the good modes in this game like the uh, getting randomly carpet bombed by a drone strike or whatever like just sucks like it is 100 percent for the satisfaction of the person doing it and and has nothing but annoyance for the person on the other end and it and all it does like, and, and it's such a backward system like it's you you get kill streaks. You get these amazingly overpowered kill streaks when you're doing better at the game, when you're already probably at the top of the scoreboard, and that's like the opposite of like the basic mechanics of Mario Kart, where it's like yeah. the first place just got nothing but blue shells that just attack the person in last place. You know, like it's it's ridiculous. Like it's dumb. Which I think is why uh, gunfight is far and away my favorite mode in modern warfare. And I think I think for a lot of developers, like talking to developers, um, you got the sense too that like they really like the fact that like hey the the um, the the four players are all facing each other. Uh, the two teams are like you know they're over there. We actually they literally highlight people on the opposite side of the map. So I guess for people who don't know, gunfight is two v two, very small map. Um, best of 10 rounds i think first to six basically first to six yeah yeah and um and there have been so many uh rounds of gunfight where uh, the the enemy team gets up to five i was like ah uh it's probably a lost cause and then me and my buddy just pull out four more wins and we're like yeah oh uh, yeah Mark so like, Medina and I were screaming in each other's ears. Uh, <laughs> right. I, yeah, I wanted to go over some other important details that make it good, like how there's no health regeneration. Yeah. Um, there's no kill streaks, obviously. 
and that rounds are 40 seconds long um, at maximum. So after 40 seconds, a flag opens up in the middle, and if the round still hasn't ended, which about 90% of the time it already has, then you can capture this flag uh, and still win the fight. So it's like to counteract someone trying to hide, you know, just sort of mm. hide in a corner the whole time and make it go on forever. And yeah, like, it, it literally becomes interesting by reversing all of the rules of 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 a core mode where like you don't respawn infinitely, you don't regenerate health, there's no kill streaks, like it it's just this like very pure little explosion of of skill and like brief strategy. And it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do I feel like I've been uh cheated in this mode because it's either a, a bit of luck, you know, they, they got the good angle on me and I had my back turned to them maybe, or uh, or like, yeah, just, just like plain skill. Um, I had a, I had a guy climb, um, it, climb a box and like kind of perch up on a, uh, thin wall. And I was like, th- there's still like little areas to find that little vantage points that like still are really good, even for as small as these maps are. And to me, it's really like the, the final minute of a battle royale game just over and over uh you know an increasingly tiny arena uh uh you've got 50 seconds total i think for every round which maybe sounds like a lot but really isn't and yeah. uh sometimes you'll go out like like that you know sometimes they'll they'll snipe you from across the map um that that's another thing too is the loadouts are same for each team so All right, they're randomized every few rounds so everyone yeah. gets completely uh, new guns and, and everyone has the and, same exact thing yeah, and there there are some that I'm like I, I I feel good at this one. I don't feel great at this one. Or like, how the hell am I going to use a shotgun here? But right. uh, and that well that and that also plays into how you can get these comebacks going. Where like, oh, we really fell behind in the sniper rounds. Yeah. Um, but now we have a shotgun, and I know how to use these. You know, that can play into suddenly getting bursts of like success, uh, which is kind of something that I really appreciate in Rainbow Six Siege, which is a game that you can always get a you, a headshot is always a one hit kill. So you get the, you definitely get these scenarios where comebacks are extremely possible. So you need to be on your toes at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've never felt like even if my team had five, I never felt like it's in the bag. Yeah, uh, I I calm down a little because I'm like, okay, just play smart, play safe, let them make the mistake. That's my favorite thing too. Is if the overtime flag pops up. I love letting someone else make the mistake of approaching, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that that really helps. Like the the no regenerating health definitely means that, like, okay, I if I was good enough to nick that guy earlier, like that will still help me. Like that 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 doesn't go away, even though right. uh, that 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 little bit of skill I exerted there mattered, you know. Yeah, exactly. Or, you don't or you don't, helped my team. Progress maybe. progress isn't undone. Because they went and healed themselves in a corner, uh, yeah, which is yeah. kind of what frustrates me about battle royale sometimes. Uh, but and also and also crucially, it's not just that there's no regenerating health, but health is a score pool up at the top mm-hmm. of the screen for that you can see for both teams. So not only like basically both teams have 200 at the start, and and there's a it's a quick indicator to know who's winning at the moment. But it's also important when it's suddenly a one v one and you're on opposite sides of the map, you know can look at that and be like okay i need to be more on the defensive here because i have 20 health and they have 100 so i need to get a really good kill on this person if i'm gonna pull it off you know so you um you really like gunfight uh on-site procurement mode uh where you have to 
you start with nothing and you have to find a weapon on the field. Usually, I, I at least in the maps that I've played, it uh, feels like there's a couple of like obvious spots to grab some weapons and then maybe some other ones hidden around. But like for the most part, it it, it feels like a speedier version of, of gunfight where like no one's really waiting for like the distance kill. They're all just like sprinting to get something done faster, right? Yeah. Right, right. It's and you made the battle royale comparison earlier and it kind of works even more here because it's this uh every round like that where it's just random weapons start scattered across the map and you start with nothing but your fists, that kind of feels like the beginning of a battle royale match where you land and you're like, Okay, when you need a gun. Um and it and I think that's fun because you have to adapt to what's around and there's a lot more weapon swapping because you're finding additional weapons in like the middle of the map or on the sides or whatever, instead of in normal gunfight, there's only the weapons you start with and nothing else. Uh, so, yeah, I think that one just adds a little more variety, a little more... Not randomness, because everyone still starts with the exact same stuff, so you can... And all the maps are equidistant, so you can always both run to the same corner and get the same sniper rifle if in that in that round. So it's still fair. Uh, but it just sort of, yeah, it makes you sort of think on the fly a little bit more, and I appreciate that part of it. Yeah, one and one thing I really appreciate about it is that if you're communicating with your teammate or your friend or whatnot, in a standard gunfight match course, you're saying things like, oh, he's over there in the corner or like, oh, I don't know where he got me from. But in that on-site procurement mode, you ha- you can also talk to them about like, I think he had a shotgun or yeah, I think he had, right. I think he had a sniper rifle and you can modify your friend's. Uh, your friend can modify their strategy to accommodate for that and say like, okay, well, if I rush this person, they'll never be able to like scope me in time with the sniper rifle. So um, that, that just adds to that. Uh, yeah. That, that battle Royale comparison of, I think we just outmatch them when it comes to gear, you know, like maybe we have purple or gold armor. Um, that's an apex thing, but uh, maybe we just like outclass them and they like hid in a corner with their little Uzi until, right you know, the final circle kind of thing. But, um, so yeah, gunfight is awesome. Cyber attack is okay. I think it's, it's kind of like a larger scale gunfight, but more like, I don't know. It's, it's search and destroy, but yeah. Uh, so it's like a re it's a reimagined search and destroy. So there's a, uh, in this game or in this version of it, you're planting a bomb at like a, a server tower on the map, the enemy server tower, and you're trying to defend yours. Um, so it's got a bit of a Counter-Strike search and destroy thing going on where you're trying to fight over one bomb to plant. Um, but the big tweak here is that you don't respawn, but you can be revived in the round. So it's it's a 6v6 sort of question of whether or not uh, you want to let them... like They might be going for the bomb, and you might let them um, and use this time to revive a few people and then take those few people back to... Uh, you know, take the bomb back, and so there's more, a little more strategy there, and I think that's pretty successful. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I got the feeling from our event that a lot of people weren't weren't too into it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, I think it was a rough mode, just especially maybe if you're not used to that. But I really loved. Um, I, I at the uh, preview event like several months ago, and uh, this event we also I think at this event. We get to play a little bit of like realism mode, um, yeah. which is it's it kind of it kind of feels like here's a multiplayer mode 1.5, you know, um, where it's not like a brand new thing, but it's just like all the all the uh, the the metrics have been changed, like headshot damage is like one and done, 
you don't have any UI, so you don't necessarily know like what your ammo count is. Right. Um, but like, I, real- I saw. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was saying that there's some. I saw some confusion. People are talking about it. Like, how does this compare to hardcore? Does hardcore also gives you less health and and takes away HUD? And the answer is that they're both pretty similar. But actually, Gamespot's video review I think does the best job of explaining how realism is does break down differently because there's less UI in realism. You don't even see hit markers. One, yeah, like you mentioned, one shot headshots. Um, but crucially, that your basic health of your like your, for body shots is still the same as normal as the normal mode. Um, so the time to kill on a body is a bit faster, but if you can get that headshot, then you can get the kill super fast. So it's in hardcore by comparison, like you go down in two shots kind of anywhere. Um, and it's a little more, a little more sudden. So, uh, it kind of bridges the gap that way. It's pretty fun. I liked it a lot. At the, um, at the preview event, uh, I I managed to play realism mode night with night vision goggles uh, in the like Azir cave map, um, which is like one half kind of like a small town on the outskirts of a cliff. And then the other half is basically this like small cave network that just like kind of it runs in one direction, but there's little offshoots. And um, <laughs> I actually got a well, one, when you get like the night vision goggles and the like lasers there, that makes things like super stressful because one yeah. people can see your your laser uh but also you can you can see their laser so like just yep. imagine yourself like walking towards the like turn in a tunnel and you see a bunch of lasers like pop up uh around the corner and you're like oh god yeah uh, so it definitely has the effect of of making you think about when it's smart to actually be aiming so you really only want to aim when you think you're about to get into a fight because you are revealing yeah. yourself but yeah it's a neat mode and then uh, Ground War, finally. Um, we played a lot of Ground War, I think. We did. Uh, we did. Which, too not, much Ground War. Too much Ground War, actually. I think some people like checked out um, <laughs> maybe like a little bit before the standard bedtime, and I don't blame them. I think I, I, think I did at some point. But um, just, just it's, it's Battlefield. It, it, there's nothing more to say yeah, about it other like than like, hey. It's, it's some straight up Battlefield with a little bit of like domination, like capture the point kind of thing in there. And um, uh, it, it was all right. It was, to me, it felt a lot like TDM where I'm running and I'm running and I'm running and I'm looking for action and I'm either coming to the action right as it's winding down or I'm getting shot in the back, you know, kind of thing. Yep. And, yeah. yeah, like it's got, it is, I guess how it breaks down for me is that it is impressive that they that they did it. Um, that they definitely made like this sort of pseudo battlefield thing. Smaller maps than Battlefield is nowadays, uh, but still plenty large enough to support 64 players. Um, and yeah, like you spawn in your squad mates. Uh, there's vehicles, there's tanks, there's helicopters. No planes. Uh, I don't think the maps are quite big enough for that. Uh, and yeah, the only the it's only it's only the one mode, which is essentially like a conquest type battlefield mode where you're just capturing different points trying to hold them and uh yeah i uh, probably the most significant thing that like turns me off of that mode is just that there's snipers <laughs> like yeah. they're just it's just annoying like people are just on top of buildings skyscrapers or mountains or whatever just like sniping people the whole match it's like oh yeah i remember why i don't play battlefield yeah it, it just kind of feels like what's I, i'm either going to be yeah 
clambering up to a rooftop or like a hilltop with a sniper rifle. And usually I feel like 95% of people are going to be carrying sniper rifles because these maps yeah. are big enough to, to justify it. Yeah, and, al- but, and also importantly, uh, that you still have creative class, so you can put on that perk that just lets you carry two primary weapons. Yeah. So there's nothing stopping you from having like a fully kitted out assault rifle and then just like the best sniper rifle in the game in your back pocket. Like That's just, yeah. that's just something you can do. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, I, I think I love the smaller, go figure, just like the campaign, I love the smaller, more intimate uh, moments of gunfight to any of this. And I think finally, uh, did you? how did you feel about the gunsmith feature? Because I really liked that. I, I really I, I liked think... being able to say, let me put this oil can on a pistol and let me, uh, let me like get a hip fire modifier uh and just be motherfucking john wick up in this yeah yeah like so gunsmith is kind of crazy because there's a crazy amount of attachments for every gun um and i think it's pretty cool i think it's cool that they ground it they ground it a little bit by only like an m4 might have like 12 different spots to put something but you can only ever have five five attachments mm-hmm. so and that includes like perks so you might give up the long range barrel so that you can attach the perk that lets you reload faster, slide of hand. Uh, and I think that's that's definitely neat. Um, I think what is kind of unknowable for us in the pre-release, and even unknowable right now, but will come, become apparent soon, is how the freedom of that customization will lead to some pretty broken builds. Like, just yeah, right. guns that are way too good, probably. And they'll probably have to be adjusted for that reason. Um, AKs with 70 bullet dr- drum barrels. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just really wacky stuff. And But I, I appreciate that they sort of took the pick 10 idea from the Black Ops games and put it into weapon customization and still... Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, you have to pick and choose and there's positives and negatives for everything and it's cool. You can actually come, end up with a crazily different gun. Uh, one developer was telling me how he just found a way to make, like, the odd... SMG, like, outfitted in a way that where it's basically just an assault rifle. Like, it has better range, it has better damage, and that sort of thing. Um, I think that's cool that you can do that. But honestly, like, I got that M4, one of the first guns you unlock, and I think that thing feels so good, and so stand, like, so reliable, that that's just kind of what I use 90% of the time. And, you know, uh, so overall, I, I didn't actually check uh, if you gave a score. Um, I got it up here now, though. Uh, what'd you give? You gave... Call of Duty Modern Warfare, an 80 out of 100 on the uh, old PC gamer scale. Um, and I think you're right in the money of like, it evolves the series for the better, you say, but it could be so much more. Um, I think I think it's just right in the money of like, it's good. It, it's really good. It's a really good game overall. I just wish it had some of that 2007 huevos uh, to, to like really go an extra stretch and like really leave me with something like extra memorable instead of just something like pretty cool. Yeah, and, and, and part of what that that sentence means as well, that sort of breakdown of it, is just that in some ways I want them to forget about 2007. Like, right. like have kind of have the wavos you're talking about to, uh, to like, just say, like, Team Deathmatch doesn't make sense anymore, or at least Team Deathmatch with crazy killstreaks doesn't make sense anymore, and let's, let's rethink our map design so that it's less of this, like, cyclical circle meat grinder stuff, you know, like... I wanted less of the old in there because I just think it's bad nowadays. Just boring. And I wanted them to... I wanted the stuff that I do like about it, the sort of competitive swings that they take to be the focus. And it's kind of not... It's kind of just sort of also there with everything else. 
Well, folks, you know, you can you can play Call of Duty Modern Warfare and figure out your own opinion. Let us know in comments or on Twitter at the 1099 podcast. And Morgan, before we go, this being a podcast that I know is listened to by a lot of like young and greenhorn uh, games media types. Uh, you yourself, we, we described you at the beginning of the to- uh, the show as PC Gamers Rainbow Six guy. And yeah, you are responsible for like 95% of the Rainbow Six coverage, as I understand it. How, how do you become uh, the guy responsible for covering an entire game like that? Because I think that that's something a lot of younger writers might be pretty interested in. Uh, yeah, I don't want to... I don't want to make it sound like I've done anything too impressive because all I've really done is that I played the game a lot uh, <laughs> for for like a year and a half, and then um, I saw an offer, you know, to from from PC Game, like you know, sort of how a lot of people find work, which is just sort of looking on Twitter, um, and I saw an opportunity that you know they were looking for uh, they were looking for Rainbow Six Siege coverage, and so I I just sort of like how do I how do I still do it is just to make sure i'm always keeping up on the game and thinking of thinking of news to or like angles to attack the game from like ways a lot of it is like reporting on the community and stuff as well but like yeah i don't know it's i I just sort of fell into it and and i it's treated me pretty well um and uh yeah i don't know as far as like tips for it i just i don't know you just have to learn how to write pitches like pitches are really hard (laughs) you just you don't know if you're you don't know if you're sounding like a moron. You don't want to be casual, but you don't want to. You don't want to sound too I guess casual. The, uh, like. the the best thing is always one. Of course, learn how to write pitches, like you say. But also, if you want to focus on something like Apex Legends or Rainbow Six or some other like really well trafficked game, look at try to think of the things that people aren't talking about. Um, is there is there a a did they change something in the game that like dramatically impacts uh, how a fight breaks out? Or like, did they uh, change a story element that like maybe means a lot to you? Or like, did they add or fix something that like the community is really um, uh, focusing on and finding the stories that aren't being told, um, especially if you are able to spend the time embedding yourself in a community like rainbow apex, call of duty, whatever uh is yeah one of the best ways that you can you can do that and that's how i managed to get a little bit of work early on in my career was i just i loved indie and narrative games and there's plenty of people for that but like i put in the groundwork i suppose yeah i I think that's that's really good advice if you're if you're reporting on if you're trying to get do coverage for a service game you want to look for you want to look for gaps in 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 coverage for sites and, and sort of maybe even include that in your pitch of targeting like, hey, I notice you guys don't really have anyone reporting on this stuff and I promise you that people are interested. Yeah. So, you know, let's let's give it a shot and see if uh if my expertise brings some value that you guys wouldn't have otherwise because everyone on staff is too busy doing stuff. Yeah. Um I guess that's a nice way to leverage having more time to specialize as a freelancer. And then eventually you get to the point where work comes to you and everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, uh yeah i'm I, uh, very i'm very fortunate to get opportunities like this to like go review call of duty nowadays exactly um all right and folks that'll be it for this episode of the 1099 thank you for sticking with us through the hour as we talked about call of duty modern warfare um like i said earlier if you uh are playing the game and you have your own thoughts and opinions to share please do feel free to hit me up on twitter or morgan here 
Uh, Morgan, where can people find you on Twitter and your work? Yeah, I'm uh, at Twitter at Morgan R. Park. So just Morgan with an R in the middle. Uh, and I actually don't have a personal site. I should probably work on that. Yeah, man. Get that uh, <laughs> Contently up in there. Yeah, and, absolutely. And uh, Contently.com. It's not bad. but uh, And yeah, folks, every Monday or so, uh, sometimes it's been Tuesday, you can find a new episode of the 1099 here. Uh, aiming to get uh, a couple of cool guests from the more developer and PR side of things on here to talk about some of their journeys. Um, and hey, Ben Hansen from uh, X Game Informer now and of Min Max fame. If you're listening, I love you. Please come on the show. And uh, Morgan, I, I seriously appreciate you coming on and uh, lending us your expertise for an hour. And I hope that you have uh, plenty more rainbow and cod and uh pc game footage in your future <laughs> absolutely thanks for having me man and folks don't forget to follow the 1099 on twitter at the 1099 podcast or myself at j-o-s-e-p-h-k-n-o-o-p and thank you so much we'll see you next week 